0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you, and uh, I'm delighted to have this opportunity to bring God's Word today. Um, we, I'm sure you are just as eager as I am for Pastor Rock to get back to the pulpit because, uh, no, I like to hear his Word too. But it always seems like when I get a chance to preach, it's always preceding his his sabbatical when he's coming back. So hope not to mess this stage up too much for him as he's supposed to be back next week, and I'm looking forward to that. And so. Um, who I am, Pastor Sheldon Williams, and right now I'm serving as your church planter in the homestead area. And things are going well. Um, Know that we are working aggressively towards planting that church, but there's a couple of prayer needs I want to put before you. One, we're still trying, trying to identify our building, and ours, I'm saying ours, not ours, me and Faith's, our building, we need to identify where we're going to have church for weekly worship service. But know that there's work going on now that the church building, the brick and mortar, is just a place for us to gather in. The work of the church is going out and make sure we're making connections with people, networking and such, and that's happening. So that's prayer one is building. Prayer two is as we're starting to formulate the teams, and that's some of y'all in this room, us, There's some people around the whole ACAC campuses, and so as we're trying to formulate these teams, we need more prayer as God begins to identify who those individuals are. Today, I'm going to be preaching from Acts 19 verses 1 through 7. We had the freedom to preach anywhere from anywhere, all the 66 books of the Bible, and I picked Acts because there was something in this part of Acts 19 that really stood out to me. Hopefully, I can convey that to you. So I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version or New American Standard Bible, and it'll be up behind me, but you can read along from whatever version you may have um, with you. So let's read together. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus And when Paul had laid his hand upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men. So for the title for today's sermon, I've titled it Challenged to be Changed. And what I want to talk about is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how that challenges us to be best effective for how God wants to utilize us. So that's where we're going. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, in these next few minutes... What matters most is that people have a sense that you are here. So allow that to also occur through the words that I'm offering. Let your spirit just reign through me. Special anointing right now. The anointing to communicate a message that's appropriate, directed by your Holy Spirit, and a preparation of hearts, the opening of ears, so that they can receive exactly what it is you intended for them to hear. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. And as I begin the sermon, may the Lord be with you. So right before I jump in, I want to pose this question that Paul kind of posed to the disciples, because I want that to be in your background of your mind as I'm going through the whole sermon. And that question was, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? So I want you to park that question. It'll make sense when we come back to it. So anybody that knows me, knows I embrace and love a good challenge. I, it could be my competitive spirit or my, my sense or desire to seek accomplishment, but there are times where I openly embrace a good challenge, and I'm certain there are people in this room that could probably say the same. Some of y'all are just as competitive as I am. Now, I would like to clarify my previous statement by simply saying that, that, that I do not accept every challenge. Now, there are some things that don't interest me at all. No matter how it's presented, I will arrive at the very same conclusion, like, uh, nope, or nope, not going to do it. It just doesn't interest me. There has to be some aspect of the challenge that has to motivate me to participate. Now, put my wife on blast. Now, she'll continuously, my wife Faye, She'll attempt to get me to do things that in my quiet mind, I'll say, are totally insane. I won't say that to her. In my quiet mind, I think are totally insane. And she'll try to get me to do different things like skydiving. Like, and I resist every one of her repeated requests with a resounding, firm but polite, and unchanging response. Nope, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> See, skydiving is not a challenge to me at all. It's not a challenge. You want to know why? Because I have resolved that I am never going to do it. (laughs) For one, for one, I am perfectly okay with confessing to all of you my fear of heights. I'm afraid of heights, but I'm not afraid of flying. I can get into an airplane, and get to my destination. I'm not afraid of flying, but I am afraid of heights. So she thinks this is somewhat prescriptive to get me over my fear of heights. (laughs) It doesn't register because I find no delight. And being terrorized by being 12,000 feet in an airplane, <laughs> jumping out with a parachute that I didn't pack and hoping that it land back on my two feet back on the ground, it doesn't connect for me. So you can see that where I get some of my hesitancy, and some may say that my hesitancy is rooted in one of the following: It could be my fear of heights, it could be my lack of faith in my parachute or just being comfortable in my comfort zone. Well, similarly. I believe this is what we can experience and encounter at times with the inner work of the Holy Spirit. See, hesitancy to the leading of the Holy Spirit is often rooted in fear, lack of faith, or our comfort with the familiar. When a person acknowledges that they are a believer, they are affirming that Jesus Christ is the sole source of redemption from the penalty of sin. This is known as salvation because Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin that leads to death. Paul's question to the group of disciples asking them into what they were baptized established the point of need for repentance. They replied that they were baptized according to John's baptism, which was repent and be baptized because the kingdom of God is at hand. Now John was proclaiming the coming of the Savior and was preparing Jesus for preparing people for jesus 's arrival. I want to say kudos to those individuals that were there when Paul was speaking to them for their faith in the promised arrival of the king there's just one small detail at the time Paul was talking to them, Jesus had already completed his mission on earth. They just did not get the memo yet so now They have the opportunity to be part of the king's kingdom. And when Paul baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they received an opportunity that was not previously available to them when they received John's baptism. The opportunity to have the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit occur from within. See, sanctification is the process by which we live our lives, demonstrated that we are no longer enslaved to sin. We now have the opportunity to live a life that demonstrates we are now under new management. The challenge comes in the form of living life that is submitted to the will of God and not to the will of our human nature our human nature and God's perfect nature are positioned like polar opposites, and the chasm between them can be quite vast and and quite deep. But we should not be in despair because God has provided a mediator between the two, and he is the person we know as the Holy Spirit. The principle of being filled with the Holy Spirit is subject to our willingness to let go of our old nature in pursuit of what now can be new. The Holy Spirit ceased to lead us in the appropriate direction, but we can often disregard his guidance. As Christians, we say we want to be more Christ-like because he has provided the best example of human living in a sinful world. If being more Christ-like is our destination, then the holy spirit provides the appropriate route directions to get there there's only one problem he is not the driver he is only the navigator recently fay and i went on a trip to north carolina and we promptly put in the the, the address in the gps and followed that all route all the way down to north carolina To spending a couple days in north carolina we needed to return home so we put the address our home address in there and actually we didn't put our home address little note, that's a safety note. Don't put your home address in the GPS. Put an address down the street. But anyway, we put an address down the street in the GPS so nobody else, if your car ever gets stolen, they don't know where you live. So we put the address down the street and got close, so we can get back home. Well, I noticed along the route that the GPS kept trying to divert us off the path. It kept trying to take us off. And I was certain that we needed to stay on that same interstate because we had traveled that for many hours, but it was telling us to get off. So I did like most of the men in this room did. (laughs) I asked the rhetorical question because I wasn't asking Faye, why is this thing trying to get us off the route? Because you know what our answer would have been? Follow the GPS. But I'd asked it rhetorically, why is this thing taking us off the route? And I kept following what I thought was right. Well, after passing three exits, we ran smack dab into a major traffic jam, four lanes of traffic, and severely delayed our trip getting back home, delayed by time. Well, see, the GPS had a traffic feature that was well aware of the impending traffic jam that was about to happen and was trying to divert us. Well, this is similar how the Holy Spirit tries to direct us as well. He knows the best routes to get us to be more Christ-like. We often choose to trust our own ways instead of trusting Him. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is our spiritual GPS. It's God's provided spirit. Since we are the driver, we can, we can choose to accept his guidance or dismiss it. He is aware of the spiritual roadblocks and the spiritual traffic jams that prevent us from living a life empowered to be free from our sin nature. We just need to be sensitive to his leading. Now, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can't just be familiar with a concept— we must know him personally. To know him personally, we must have a relationship with him. To have a relationship with him, we must be intimate with him. To be intimate, we must have close contact with him. And the closest contact that we can have with the Holy Spirit is to be indwelled by him. Now, there are some people who are afraid of the Holy Spirit fearful of the Holy Spirit. And that fear could be a result of lack of experience. Improper teaching or improper exposure what was deemed a movement of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to discount any of those because there are plenty of examples of those misapplications. We all probably have some stories of that. And even 1 John 4 tells us that we should test the Spirit to see that it is of God. But I am one who tries to keep his spiritual antenna raised in search of the authentic move of the Holy Spirit. But I really not, I really don't try to be quick to judge or criticize what is or what is not Holy Spirit. To be the one sitting there trying to judge where's the movement, that's not right, this is not right. And there are some people who are deeply moved by the, under the power of the Holy Spirit. But there are also some of us Some of us who are be quick to make judgments on whether or not that was from the Lord. Statements like, that's too much, or they don't have to act that way, or does it really take all that? See, the thing is, we may not be as familiar with the backstory to fully understand what it is it really took to get them to where they are now. See, if we weren't there during their suffering, their trial, through their testing or their deliverance, we shouldn't be so quick to determine the amount of level of joy or their freedom in the Lord. We have to be able to be witnesses to be able to say God moves and understand how he chooses to move and his freedom to do so. Now, I know I need not fear the Holy Spirit because of this He was promised to us. I desire to have just what the Lord promised He said after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall have power and be my witnesses. See, we see it repeated time and time again in the scripture where the Holy Spirit has changed a person. Then they become a powerful witness for the Lord, not a silent, static witness, but a vocal, outspoken manifestation of the power of the Lord working through the life of a believer. So based off of what I see in Scripture and God's promise, for me, this creates an insatiable hunger in my spirit that makes me want to know him. The question is, how best can we be witnesses for him? Knowing now that our sin nature desires to be the boss, but the Holy Spirit desires to be our God, the answer may be our holy desperation. We must get to a place where we are desperate for the holy. God tells us to be holy for I am holy, and both of those are present tense. And so we must continually be at a place where we are desperate for him. Now, this can present a lot of spiritual challenges because of the pull of our human nature. There are spiritual challenges prompted by the Holy Spirit that we can readily embrace. We can feel challenged that we don't pray enough. And we see we get challenged that we don't study God's word enough. And maybe we should be giving according to the spirits prompting, but we aren't. So we get motivated to adopt better spiritual disciplines in order to realize greater spiritual depth and growth then there are personal challenges or life circumstances that can send us for a whirlwind. We are living that right now, the Williams family. Y'all know some of this story with Brooklyn. Brooklyn at five weeks old went into the hospital August 23rd of 2016 and has not been out of the hospital since. We faced her death four different times on four different occasions. We were saying our goodbyes to her. She has a bad heart, no intestines, and has the the risk of also having bad lungs. Yet she demonstrates the great strength of spirit for her fight every day. And so let me tell you what these life circumstances does to the Williams family. As one who has a firm stance on what faith is, it shakes the very merits of what it is that I think and what I think is right or what the word says. I know what it says, but what I'm seeing does not line up to what I'm experiencing. I'm challenged to stand firm in faith and be able to proclaim because God, this does not make sense to me and anything that I understand about you and what you've said. These challenges are real, even for some of us who are some of the most faithful. And I'm not proclaiming to be that. I'm saying it's real for us. So the challenge is real. In times when we are deeply challenged, we can either live according to our flesh or live according to the Spirit. Unfortunately, both options are available, even for the most faithful, and at times our flesh may even seem to prevail. Last week, Pastor Ross talked about believers having a proper response because our life should bear witness of the Almighty and bring glory to the Father. If we desire to glorify the Father, then we must be pre-positioned in a manner that allows us to operate in the strength of the Holy Spirit and not in the limits of our humanity. God never promised us a problem-free life here in this world. What he promised was that he would send the comforter who's responsible for helping us live a life of freedom in a problem world. Jesus warned his disciples, they should be prepared to suffer for his name's sake. And Paul wrote in Romans 8, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, it was never intended for believers to be exempt from experiencing great trials or challenges, and at times it will test the very merits of your faith. It is how we deal with those challenges that gives witness to the very one in whom we have placed our faith. What people should witness when they come in contact with a believer is not some example of a quasi super saint. They should be able to have a tangible example of of a God-loving, God-fearing, Christ-centered, spirit-filled child of the king. When we go through our challenges, we have a choice of response. And even if we don't immediately recognize it, how we will respond will determine the size and the scope of our spiritual victories. When we act or respond according to our flesh, we give ammunition to the enemy, But when we act or respond according to the spirit, we can disarm the armies of the enemy. When the spirit of God is directing us, he is doing so with full knowledge of the present and future implications of our decisions and actions. His goal is to never lead us to defeat, but to lead us to the origin of all of our victories, which is in Christ Jesus. After salvation, our human nature is constantly at odds with our renewed spirit. Living according to the spirit takes deep commitment. And there are aspects of our humanity that need deep surgery and healing. Additionally, our flesh is always looking out for one person and one person only. And that person's name is self. There are times when our thoughts and feelings can be out of sync with the will of God. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways." So our flesh will consistently have a focus on trying to be fulfilling of self-interest. Now, let me distinguish. While self-care is important, always, and let me emphasize always, focusing on our self-interest is like traveling down a one-way street straight down to a dead end. You are only care about what is right and good for you. So absent proper guidance, our self-interest can appear selfish, self-limiting, and self-destructive. Knowing that you need to be cared for is one thing. Knowing how to care for you is another. And in matters related to our soul, we often don't have the best vantage point to be able to adequately look inwardly and determine our spiritual health. Now, there are times when a person can look introspectively, identify an issue, and then make a game plan that can foster a change of heart, a change of mind, or a change of behavior. But there are also times when an individual can struggle to see what may be quite apparent to many others, deep spiritual issues like anger, distrust bitterness, anxiety, worry, ambivalence, doubt, and unrepentant sin are all examples of deep spiritual issues that can make you a toxic person, but also be toxic to your soul. And any one of us can find ourselves in one of these places. And that's why the helping relationships can be effective. Things such as counseling and mentoring, coaching and discipleship are all designed to help an individual understand something different about them that they were either unaware or previously unable to understand. And that's why we emphasize growth groups around here, those communities of fellowship where people enjoying together, journeying together to bond your hearts and so that you become part of a viable part of the kingdom because people take interest in you. That's why our growth groups are important. Now, we are called to help one another, and God expects that we as believers should participate in helping each other. But he did not impose something, an expectation that he wasn't first ready to fulfill. See, God's unparalleled love for us gave us his son, but God's unparalleled care for us gave us his spirit. And this is why Jesus said, I won't leave you comfortless. It is Jesus' who redeems us from sinful life, but it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that helps us live within a sinful world. God's gift is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin, and it truly is a gift that continuously keeps on giving. Our scripture passage today describes Paul's arrival in Ephesus. This was Paul's second visit, but it is his first real opportunity to minister to the people in Ephesus. In Acts 18, we learn that Paul had passed through Ephesus and was asked to stay, but Paul stated he would return if it was God's will. Let's assume now that he's there in Acts 19 that it was God's will. Now, Ephesus was a place of great prominence and a major hub for commerce and trading. It was no secret that Ephesus openly embraced idolatry. In fact, the selling of idols was part of the main commerce, the goddess Artemis was a prominent idol, and the primitive root of her name, art, is translated great, excellent, or holy. So here's Paul having to confront the evil of open idolatry and effectively communicate the need for them to give up their worthless idols and receive the gift of salvation, which is in Christ Jesus only. Give up your evil spirits and receive God's Holy Spirit. I guess you can say that Paul had his own version of a spiritual repeal and replace plan. Now, this may have been a great challenge for Paul, but certainly not for God, because Paul had demonstrated his reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit and not in his own human strength. We see the power of the Holy Spirit working through Paul as he laid his hands upon those initial disciples at Ephesus. And when he baptized them in the name of the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, they were transformed. He challenged them with a question convey a message of truth, and pray for them. Pause. Here's a great example of evangelism 101. Get so wrapped around the axle about how do we witness to other people. How about this? Ask him a question, give him a message of truth, and pray for him. It worked for Paul. Certainly, it will work for us as well. Now, I asked you about the question on the forward end. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? I said, "Part that question. Because I believe that question is still applicable for us today. Whether you're sitting in a congregation, watching live streaming, or you'll see this archive later on, it's still applicable in any one of those formats. There are only three possible responses to this challenging question. If the question is posed, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? There's only one of three. Yes, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Only three. But each of those three answers can lead us to an action point. I want to pose that question to every one of us right here in this room. I'm posing it right now. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? If you answered no, or I don't know what you're talking about, now I'm inviting you today to go to the prayer room. And I know we point to prayer room because we have people who are strategically placed to stand there to walk through you. Go to the prayer room. If you can't get there, talk to an usher, ask for a pastor, get to somebody. And I will venture to say, even if you would raise a question, there are people right here in this room right now who will walk alongside you to help you to understand that question. There's no reason for a person to come into this place to hear a message and have questions about their salvation and not get that question answered today. If you don't know what we're talking about, we can find out The answers are already provided. You can get your answer. But those who say that they, yes, I have the Holy Spirit because I'm saved. I received the Holy Spirit. The challenge is equal for you. I'm telling you to live up to your spiritual privilege, which is in Christ Jesus. No longer can we stay stay back and be passive in our approach to a world that is full of sin and is moving toward, towards destruction. God has placed us and empowered us to be His witnesses, to stand firm and be part of His kingdom's work. We can't frame how God moves through us by saying, "God, I don't know if I can do that. That seems to be too much." If you box in how God, give boundaries to how God works. He can't move to the maximum effectiveness that he wants to do through you. We can't be static and stoic and not move in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be open, available, and make ourselves in a un, 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 more willing, not unwilling, a more willing person and, and avail ourselves to be able to be open. So that challenges to each and every one of you here today. I've invited that Ebony and Josh come back. Because we carved our time and space in this service after the message. It's one thing to take something away and says, I'll put some attention to that. But it says right now, we're going to put some action to this right now. So when they sing Holy Spirit, the song, you are welcome here. Don't put it in your atmosphere. I know the words say that the welcome here means right here. We are the temple of the Lord God. Open yourselves up. Take new receipt of God's fulfillment in your life. And so, don't just watch them sing the song. Embrace the words, but make it part of your personal worship now. Invite the Holy Spirit's manifestation and full indwelling in your life. Let's go and worship together.
1: There's nothing worth more could ever come close no thing can compare your are living hope in your presence Lord and I've tasted it of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my share- flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs for to be We've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, in your presence, Lord. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, your glory,
0: God, we pray, let the embers continue to burn in our spirits, Father. Give us a desire and a passion to pursue you faithfully. God, I pray that a full manifestation of your power be witnessed through your people. Fresh deposits upon them in their spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray you meet them in their places of their residence. That you would move about those areas, God. Give them a sense of presence and felt need that you are right there with them God never separate your presence from them by the yearning of those who are calling out to you meet them with every outpouring of your spirit and a connection that pulls them deeper into you God help us help us to be your witnesses for your kingdom's work we pray in Jesus name amen